Sports presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. It is the inaugural edition of CBS Sports Presents, the Pick 6 podcast where we break down all things National Football League. I'm your host, Nick Costos, joined alongside our great cavalcade of experts, beginning with CBS Sports NFL insider Jason LaCanfora, on location right now in lovely Maryland. JLC, how you doing? What's going on, guys? I love a good cavalcade as much as the next guy. Yeah, we're all about cavalcades here on the Pick 6 podcast. The next member of our cavalcade, he is the tanned, he is the well-rested, he is the stark, bald Pete Prisco from Jacksonville, Florida. Petey, what's going on on this lovely Monday? Yes, I am bald, and soon I will welcome you to my world, so keep going, Nick. I actually have a full head of hair, and you know who else has a full head of hair? The final member of this cavalcade, this merry band of misfits, our good buddy, Will Branson from North Carolina. Billy Boy, what's the good word? What's going on? I'm I'm really impressed you got cavalcade out properly the first time. I was worried that might be a restart situation. No, and, and listen, you know us on the Pick 6 podcast. We will never, ever have any restarts on this podcast. That's one thing that you can We've expect from one. us. Yes, th- thank you very much, Jason. I thought that would be evident from the way I was selling it. I had a false start five-yard penalty uh, on the first ever introduction to the Pick 6 that we will edit out of it, and that's why we did it again. Guys, we begin with hashtag news, and let's start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers and their star running back, Le'Veon Bell. Now, we know he's going to play this year under the franchise tag tender. We don't know yet if he's going to show up for the start of training camp. He's not obligated to. But the story here is that he asked for a ridiculous and absurd amount of money from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He wants to be paid, guys, like a number one running back and a number two wide receiver. So the first question goes to Jason Lockhanfora. Le'Veon Bell worth that much money, big boy? Uh, no. Uh, no running back is. Look, he wanted to reset the clock and get an Adrian Peterson deal where we're talking 13-plus million a year. Those days are gone. They're not coming back anytime soon. And the Steelers don't expect to see him at the start of camp. That's his prerogative. That's his right under the franchise tag and the way it works. So let's say he shows up right before the season starts. Well, you guys all know what that means, right? It means probably a hammy or a quad or some sort of soft tissue injury because he's been injury prone to some degree anyway and just go look at the history of players who say I don't need training camp I can show up when I want or I can in the case of a holdout I can show up for the first game and I'll be fine Um, doesn't usually work that way and for a guy who now has bet on himself on a one-year deal boy all the more reason why you take that you know 42 million over three years you, you take that 23 24 million guaranteed at the time of signing and you bank it and you call it a win He's trying to take a stand for the NFLPA, from what I can gather, for all running backs everywhere. Boy, I'm not sure this is the time to try to be egalitarian. Go for yours. It's it's ridiculous, by the way. I mean, let, let's not forget that this guy was suspended, has issues off the field. Steelers stuck by him. Uh, look, you're not a wide receiver. You're a multidimensional running back. You're going to be paid like a running back. Take the deal that's on the table and move forward. Look, the bottom line is that the earning years for a running back – 
they go fast. So if you're going to sit here and say, okay, I'm going to sit out this, and he maybe, like you said, Jason, he pulls a hamstring or he pulls a quad muscle or something, then you're earning. Okay, he's going to get paid this year, but then what going forward? Take the deal. Makes no sense. The crazy thing, too, is that like he wants to be paid like a wide receiver, too. Well, I mean, if you look at the wide receiver, two contracts in this league, I mean, Corey Davis, the you know, what I mean, like, like they're going to be rookies who slot in as wide receiver, two contracts. I mean, Le'Veon Bell getting 42 million guaranteed over three years or, or 30 million in the first two years, not taking that contract to me is almost worse because if he if he gets hurt again this year or he gets suspended again this year. And, you know, he doesn't get jumped to that 10 game or whatever. He doesn't get escalated. But, I mean, this is a guy that could see his value decline if he hits the open market. And, of course, the Steelers had that extra franchise tag available. It's, it's declining anyways. It's another year. They're running backs. They're value. And, and, and here's the thing, guys. He, he did reset the market, okay? The, the highest guy in terms of average per year was Shady McCoy at a little over eight. He They were willing to give him 12 a year. So that's a – I mean, I'm not a math whiz, but I think that's a 50%, you know, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, above, beyond what anybody else was making. Decent so math. did he get back to 14? No, but I mean, that's legitimate money, especially for a guy with his warts and for a franchise that, let's face it, often does team-friendly deals. The one thing I will say, though, is in terms of the full guarantee at the time of signing, the Steelers are not one of these teams that are going to guarantee 65% of your deal at signing. You know, I'm told the guarantee would have been in the low 20s, the, the full, true guarantee. So, I mean, maybe, you know, somehow you could say, well, that doesn't make it quite as good of an offer, and I guess it doesn't. But I don't know anybody in the league who doesn't think Le'Veon Bell made a big mistake. Anybody Other than Le'Veon Bell. Anybody who's doing a favor for the NFLPA needs to reevaluate that. And, and, NFLPA and Favor. Here's my question for you. I'm a skeptic by nature here. Le'Veon Bell comes out and he says, I'm doing this for my fellow running backs because we deserve to get paid more. You know what I think when I hear that? Le'Veon Bell wants to get as much money in his pocket as possible and he's trying to spin this in the public eye to make himself look a little better. Does anyone actually believe Le'Veon Bell when he says he's doing this on behalf of his fellow running backs? Princeton, go ahead. No. I mean, he's look, any player who wants as much money as Le'Veon Bell wants is subscribing to the Prisco philosophy of me, me, me. And I don't blame That was a decent Prisco impersonation, by the way. The me, me, me. Not bad. Probably won't be the last. Not quite. Um, Let me ask you this. Would you rather, Pete, would you rather have, assuming you take injury and you take, um, you take suspension off the table for this purpose, would you rather have Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers? Brown. The way the game is played nowadays, I'd rather have Brown. I mean, he's more important to me, at least the way they play the game. You think he's more important. Now, Bell's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But again, he's a running back. Uh, they get used up quickly. And I'm all for a guy trying to get all the money you can get. And by the way, living on Bell, don't make yourself a man of the people. You're a man of yourself, just like everybody else in the league, just like everybody else in life. You can talk all you want about, I'm going to do this for that guy. I'm going to do this for the union. You do what's best for you. I understand that. You're trying to get a better deal, but that was a pretty darn good deal on the tape. And the last time he did something for one of his fellow running backs, it was LeGarrette Blunt, and they were in a car together. And I think we all remember how that one <laughs> turned out. Now, Will brought up Antonio Brown, the number one wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Back in April, the Los Angeles Chargers spent the seventh overall pick in the draft on a guy they hope could develop into their number one receiver. That is Mike Williams out of Clemson. Now, some news out there right now about Williams. We've seen some reports. Could be fake news, could be otherwise here, about Williams and the herniated disc in his back and how much time he may or may not miss. The one thing that does look pretty certain is that Williams will start training camp guys on the PUP list. JLC, what are you hearing here on Mike Williams and and his future this season for the L.A. Chargers? Look, you come into the league injured, often you stay injured. And that's just the reality of the NFL. Where, where is it going? How long will he be out? When he will be back? The team doesn't know at this point. I mean, he's going to miss some time. He could be a pup situation, and then you're talking about a rookie receiver um, on a team that has some high expectations, that's trying to climb out of the cellar, that's fighting for a market share in L.A., that has a veteran quarterback who has certain expectations. Um, you know, that can smell like a lost season to a certain degree. This was one of the concerns about him coming out of college. This isn't a, a new development. And while the Chargers will try to tamp this down and, and, and kind of say, look, you know, no big deal. We'll get him through it. It's not as bad as people are saying. You know, this is something that can be easily aggravated. It's far from ideal. Is it a death knell? No. But, yeah, I, if I'm a Chargers fan, I'm concerned about this. And we'll see when he's actually able to fully participate in football activities and do all the things that NFL wide receivers do. The Chargers have been hit by just myriad injuries over the past couple seasons. Snake bitten. I mean, Brinson has called them cursed at points. You look at the Keenan Allen injury last year and others. And Phillip Rivers has got to be sick of this here. And this was Phillip Rivers, his quote to the media after the news came out about the potential season-ending injury for Mike Williams. He's never caught pass force yet. And, and we, got a, we got a great deal of confidence in the receivers we have. Thankfully, we have a heck of a group with 12 and 15 and 13 and 16 and whoever else it ends up being, if that were to be the case, we're going to be just fine. Pete, I was pretty big on the Chargers heading into this season. I felt really good about them here. I think flying under the radar a little bit because of the move to L.A. And I was pumped about this offense with Mike Williams. Now, let's extrapolate here and let's say that they don't have Mike Williams for a majority of the season or at least half the season here. How much do you think that could hurt the L.A. Chargers in 2017? Well, it's definitely going to hurt because when you draft a guy that high, which was way too high, by the way, for that guy, um, you know, it's going to hurt when you lose him. But the thing that was a problem last year was the offensive line for me. Philip Rivers hasn't been protected over the last couple of years. Now you draft some guards. They're going to step in and play. You bring a over Russell Kuhn to play left tackle. He didn't play well last year, but he's probably an upgrade over what they had. It's all on the offensive line. If the offensive line plays well, I think you have enough outside uh, in the passing game to be to be more than functional. So they'll be fine. I, I think there needs to be a question asked. I'd be curious, Jason and Pete, what you guys think about this. Uh, well, first of all, I was surprised that the Chargers went with Mike Williams there when they could have grabbed Christian McCaffrey, who I think would have been the perfect complement to what Phillip Rivers in that what? offense does. But don't, don't get mad about that. Okay, I, want, I want to ask you about this. Or is there a situation? Get mad about something else. <laughs> yeah, get mad about something else. Should we be looking let's at table the, the Let's table the white running back Danny Woodhead comparison for right now, Will, and go on to your point. I like Christian McCaffrey. I think there's a I think there's a question to be asked about how the Chargers are evaluating players and treating players with respect to injuries coming into the draft and coming into the league because it seems like I mean you can say they're snake bit but man they sure do miss on a lot of injuries when it comes to draft picks I mean all their early round draft picks are dealing with injuries well the last guy to play a full season as a rookie was what Melvin Ingram in what 2013 uh, yeah they yeah. had 
They've had problems. And, and, and look, sometimes you just get stink bit. It's, you, can't, you can't account for it. But this kid was hurt at times in his career. He had problems before. So they had to take, you know, you had to look at it and say, hey, it might happen again. The other thing is, why are the Chargers taking a wide receiver who can't run that high? It makes no right. sense. They blew the pick. It's a bad pick. Well, I'm not, look, I'm not ready to write the kid off completely like Prisco. And, you know, great, it, great it before he ever, uh, you know, before he even had a chance to put his first Chargers hat on. But I will say this. I've talked to Tom Telesco, the GM there, about this going back probably over a year. And they have done studies. They have done reviews. They've swapped out some of their medical team and trainers to try to figure out, is there something procedural? Is there, you know, is there an inefficiency in how we're evaluating these guys medically? That's, or even as it, as it practice um, techniques. I mean, I think part of the reason Mike McCoy was ultimately let go was these injuries. And, and not that he could control it, but there's almost a sense of, is there something institutional wrong and in how we're baking this cake? Or are we, you know, whether it's when we're practicing, how we're practicing. Now, ultimately, it could just be sometimes it happens. But when you, you know, to Pete's point, when you draft a guy who's injury prone and he comes in that way and you've already had a difficult time keeping guys healthy, you know, you, you would think that's a red flag that may have dropped him further down their board, but obviously they, they had no qualms taking him as high as they did. How about fake news, Prisco, by the way, JLC goes, is a terrible pick for the Chargers. Then you go, you're already writing him off, and he goes, no, I haven't written him off yet. Like, Pete, you just did write it off. You said it was a terrible pick, and then 10 seconds later I, you go, he didn't. We should send you should take Sean Spicer's job, Pete. I, I said it on draft night. I thought it was a bad pick, and I'll stick to that. I just don't think that that value was there in that position, and I'm not going to back away from that. I've been wrong before. See Christian Ponder. No, you haven't, Pete. Never. Christian Ponder over Cam Newton. I can I can admit when I'm wrong. And and by the way, just real quick on that, like we don't have to belabor that point too much. But like, was there one person that actually watched Christian Ponder? You're the only person that ever watched those two play in college that said, you know what, Ponder is going to be a better NFL player than Cam Newton. Like that's such a a bit. And you're, you're you know so much and you're so good at that. How the hell did you come up with that take, Ponder over Newton? Yeah, bad take. And but I'll tell you this 100 percent though. The guy that just became the general manager of the Carolina Panthers again, Marty Herney. Yeah, he considered Blaine Gabbert with that first pick strongly. By the way, and he he considered was, considered dude strongly. that was a ballsy pick, and you know it. And everybody looks at it now like a no brainer. In real time, the cam the anti cam campaign was was out of control. That that was not a gimme. Give Marty Herney his due, bro. Yeah, and let's, let's not forget, too, that it wasn't just the quarterbacks either. I mean, they had to replace Jimbo Clausen, but at the same time, you had A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, Marcel Darius, Von Miller. There was a ton of talent available at that top pick that, I mean, you could, I mean, you, of course you take Cam because he's the quarterback, but, I mean, there were a lot of guys they were passing on to take a risk on Cam then. Oh, man. So from one Los Angeles team with question marks to another from the Chargers to the Rams. Now, guys, we know that last year, Les Snead and the deposed Mr. 7-9 Jeff Fisher put all their eggs into the Jared Goff basket. Year one did not go so well. And former Ram Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickerson had this to say recently about the Rams quarterback derby. For me, my guy that I would start the season with would be Sean Mannion. Give him a shot. You drafted him. So, so the dogs in the background were not with Eric Dickerson. I believe that's it. Jason Lucky in Forrest's house. Control, JLC, what's up with the dogs, bud? <laughs> it's a dog's, dog's world. I'm just living it. I, 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 I guess so, right? you're not be on the road, you won't have to worry about copper. So enjoy him. Enjoy him while he's here. So oh, that, go well, pick up his crap outside with his shovel, would you? Well, wait, so, did you say your dog's name is Copper? Thank you, Pete. 
Well, he's a rescue, so that was already his name. So we didn't want to confuse him anymore. You know what, Jason's the it's kid. It's hard enough living in this house. We're going to change the guy's name on him. I just you're the guy who walks much. the dog around. <laughs> you're the guy who walks the dog around the street and never picks it up. <laughs> I hey, just, no, I pick it up, dude. I love what I do is I put the bag down first. I anticipate it because I can't stand picking it up. That's the but word. You ad- anticipate words, but I can anticipate that. He poops right into the bag for me. It's a beautiful thing. Whoa, whoa, that is some next level dog ownership. I got a question. Yeah, man. Is it? Do you consider it on trash day when the when the when the when the big trash cans are out on the street and yeah. being collected? Is it poor for? Is it acceptable? Oh, I do it. If, you, if somebody's already out there and I'm walking on the way home, do I just drop it in there? If the trash, what if the trash has already been picked up by the people? And so the the only thing at the bottom of that thing is your bag of poop. Is that acceptable? I find it unacceptable I, and un-American. <laughs> Uh, I'll decline comment on that one. Wait, wait, so, wait, so, so you drop it in someone else's garbage can? Because I I'll used to do that. Scaramucci slash Spicer and just uh, talk around that one. Yeah, JLC is going to delete all his old tweets about that. I'm not walking behind some animal, pick it up, it's crap. And, so. and, and I love this, like the Michael Phelps against the shark, people are asking, like, how is the shark going to know it's in a race? How the hell does the dog know, like, to poop in the bag when you put the dog? That's a, a pretty smart dog. And I also like no, Pete goes, No, no, it's just all on the timing. I mean, I can tell. His, I know his tells. It's like a poker player. I know when he's squatting for real so i just now half the time on my phone so sometimes i do miss it but you know i know what to look for and then whoop, i get it right under there you, yeah, swoop in, mind. you swoop in and try to catch it what if you've got a situation yeah. where uh, it's a little less solid like that's a dangerous no, that's exactly why you do it because when it's that then how do you pick it up when it's flat so that's that's on your sort of on your hand. the smushier and the warmer the more freaked out i get picking it up all right like, I, I just dive in with the bag and i love it this is like an olympic sport jlc would be a gold medalist and how about pete going go outside with the shovel to pick it up what do you think he's got clifford the big red dog as his pet here he needs a shovel to pick it up i think a plastic it's bag should like suffice it. but pete that let's, is like the biggest dog in the world over there all right let's circle back uh, here to the uh, worse than his bite like me and that was the case last year also with jared goff and the los angeles rams that was not a bad segue here so you heard eric Dickerson, his quote, he wants to start Sean Mannion this year over Jared Goff. Will Brinson, Eric Dickerson insane or is the Hall of Famer onto something? Uh, Eric Dickerson's plan is about as well thought out as JLC's dog scooping <laughs> plan. Um, it carries a lot of risk. I, he's insane. I mean, I, I get that he saw him. Um, I like that he saw Mannion in one practice. He's like, man, this guy's really winging it around. This and he is can the throw it. Yeah, he plays in the NFL. You think so? Yeah, and the guy in the and he, you know he's like, well, you know, I'm told by this guy at practice the only reason Jared Goff is starting is because of money. It's like, yeah, that's how the NFL works, pal. He, they gave up a bunch of first round picks for him. He went number one overall. He signed to a, a lucrative deal relative to other rookies, and he's the former number one pick. Of course, he's going to play. The whole Sean McVay, Jeff Fisher was fired because he did a terrible job getting Jared Goff to, to do anything or had the offense do anything. He had Todd Gurley regress. And then you bring in Sean McVay expressly because he was able to get Kirk Cousins into a quality NFL quarterback. And now you want him to do the same thing with Jared Goff. Of course, Jared Goff is starting. Don't be ridiculous, Dickerson. Yes, he's starting and he should be starting. And you know what? He played in a, in a high school offense last year with no players in a bad offensive line. How the hell can you evaluate Jared Goff after what happened last year. No, but he wasn't good, though. And like, to, and, I, and, I, and I'm the biggest Jared Goff fan there is, Pete. He was not good last year. Regardless. I know he was not good, but it was a situation where he was thrown in behind with a bunch of crap. If you had thrown Dak Prescott in with that crap, would he have been Dak Prescott? No. Oh. Clearly, no. Jeff Fisher could screw up Tom Brady, honestly. I mean, like, let's be real here. Jeff Fisher could find a way to mitigate Tom Brady's, like, like or Aaron Rodgers. He'd figure out a way to make Aaron Rodgers less 
appealing as a quarterback and less efficient. He turned him into a handoff machine. I mean, I always tell the story. Jeff, Jeff wants to run the ball, and I had an argument with him one time at the owners' meeting. I go, Jeff, this is a, way before passing it became chic. And I go, Jeff, what happens if you run it for 50 yards and you get down to the 20-yard line, you have a holding penalty, and it's, and it's first and 20 or second and 17, then what do you do? He goes, you run it harder. That's why Jeff Fisher's not coaching. <laughs> what the anymore. hell does that mean, run it harder? Um, so on the golf thing, and I think we go back to the preseason last year, and this was also a reference. Remember, golf was brutal in that game against the Cowboys in the preseason. Mannion comes in, leads a there. stirring comeback. Yeah, JLC, you were there. I remember we talked about it on Pro Football Rundown on CBSSports.com. You know, Mannion was terrific in that game. But bottom line, JLC, Goff was the number one pick last year. He's the face of the franchise right now. And to be fair, the dude was great slinging it at Cal. I think it stands to reason he's going to be quite a bit better in year number two. Agree, disagree? Well, I mean, look, there's a couple things going on here. Eric Dickerson likes to be part of the news, and, you know, good for him. That's his prerogative, and this certainly gets talked about and whatever. Now, in a clean quarterback competition, could Mannion beat Goff? Ah. I don't think it's out of the question, but this obviously isn't a clean quarterback competition, nor should it be, given the investment that they made in Jared Goff. Not just taking with that pick, but remember all they gave up to use that pick. Saying all that, if if he doesn't look the part, mind, body, and soul, and I'm told that he looked very good physically in OTAs and minicamp, but there's still some trepidation about how much they can really throw at him, how much can he process information, how mature is he mentally to be able to do all the things quarterbacks do in, you know, two and a half seconds on the field, snap after snap. You won't know that until he does it again. But but if there aren't signs of life, don't rule them out of being in this Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, bonanza if it comes to that next year and if the Skins can't sign him in January and it's a sign-and-trade situation or whatever. It, it won't necessarily just be Kyle Shanahan who's in the mix for, for Kirk Cousins. Sean McVay didn't make this pick. He inherited this pick. And, you know, he's certainly a quarterback whisperer, and I think the world of him. But I think he's also honest enough to know that if, if it ain't there after year two and there's some trepidation, you have to do some other things. Could Jared Goff beat out a, a good, proven backup, a McAllen type, a Hoyer type, a 1B quarterback? No way, but that's not where they are as a program. So let you know. Let's see. Let's see what he can do. Hey, McVeigh turned McVeigh turned Kirk Cousins into something that everybody thinks he is, but he isn't. And uh, so he could turn this kid into something as well. He'll be fine. I love this. Pete's like Pavlov's dog. Like you ring the bell, the dog okay, goes to eat. You say Kirk Prisco, Cousins, Prisco. there he goes. Let, let's make a bet. Let's make a bet, Prisco. So yes. what? What do you think, Jared Goff? What do you want to? You want to use touchdowns, the interceptions? You want to use a quarterback ratio? What, what do you What do you think he's going to be able to do with Jared Goff? He should be at 21 and 12. Guys, he year. was at 5 and 7 last year, 0 Dude, and 7 I'll, as a starter. I'll, 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 what do you want to bet? I'll take the under. He's going to have fewer touchdowns and more interceptions, considerably. We'll bet, what do you want to bet? We'll bet one of your colon cleanse drinks. How's that? <laughs> I don't drink. I don't, it's not a colon cleanse. It's a diet. I don't drink I, colon cleanse. I, I, <laughs> hey, I do think we need to huddle up at some point, like, off off the air because you don't want to make these wagers live on the podcast, but we need to have like a standing thing that we wager. Oh no, we're going to make it live. One of these. Yeah. Okay, well we can do it live, but I mean like, I mean like I don't want like Pete to like, you know, I mean I, I'm looking for something substantial. We we dinner, keep dinner, dinner. How's that? We'll bet dinner at uh, at Gyroville, right uh, right down the block here, Pete. We'll get now, more creative than that. Now JLC, how about this? Ready? I am going to jump ahead of Pete. I will Bogart Pete Prisco here because I am actually the president the CEO, the founder of the Jared Goff fan club. Now, you can call me crazy right now, spelled with two Ks because my last name is spelled with a K. Call me crazy. I think Jared Goff is going to have a really good year. 
I think the Rams are going to be better than people expect. More touchdowns than interceptions for Jared Goff. And you ready for this one? Call me crazy. The Rams are going to beat the Indianapolis Colts in week number one in Los Angeles. Well, that may happen, but it doesn't mean they're a good team or they'll be a good offense. I mean, I guess the offensive line can't be as bad as last year, but I have serious concerns about the supporting cast there. Uh, we'll double down. I'll come up on what we're going to bet. Maybe we'll all shave our losers to shave his head. Although, well, Prisco's already he's got an inherent advantage. There. I know what you're talking but, about. You're on the road too, dude. <laughs> Huh? JLC, actually, I'm J-O-C. on the back roads. I'm on the back roads. You're on the freaking autobahn. Got <laughs> <laughs> you by 15 years too. Chris goes in a Corvette, f- freaking like yeah, top like, down, top, top down, just shaking his head. Like, come on, and my or tank I, top on. I could be a Nick's grandpa car driving real low with. Not knowing how to drive since he moved from New York. You know, to my Hyundai Sonata is awesome, first and foremost. And how about last week? We're doing a rehearsal. Pete Prisco's talking about his sports car. Brinson goes, Oh, what kind of car you have? He goes, Oh, it's a Honda. Oh, hmm. that's a hell of a sports car, Prisco. <laughs> Cord that drives about 120 if you want to. Yeah, of there. course, because because you know you know Will when you think sports car, obviously the first thing you think of is Honda Accord. Obviously, you know, you know, just I because don't a sports driver owns a car doesn't make it a sports car, right? Like, that's not how that works. Sports cars in my day, and I tell you what, I've never had a grandpa car like Nick. Okay, I, my car is not a grandpa car. It's not the best car, but it is not a grandpa car. And listen, of course, it would take a, a, a guy a grandpa age to know what a grandpa car is. So maybe I should show uh, some more deference yeah, here they, to the old man. Make the early bird tonight over at uh, one of those buffets over there in Fort Lauderdale, would you? <laughs> all, right, all right, Baldy, you got that here. Now, this is, guys, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I love JLC's laughing. That's awesome. The most wonderful time of the year because training camps are starting. The NFL season is on nine. Now, by Wednesday rolls around, which will be the next edition of the Pick 6 podcast, we will have four teams in camp. The Dallas Cowboys, the Carolina Panthers, the Houston Texans, and the Arizona Cardinals. So we are going to play a stirring game. It's America's favorite game. It's sweeping the nation in or out. I'm going to present a topic, a burning question as it regards each of these four teams, and you guys tell me whether you're in or whether you're out. Easy enough. Let's start off with the Dallas Cowboys. Pete Prisco, I will give you first word here. Are you in or out on the Dallas Cowboys regressing in 2017 from what we saw in 2016? I am in, and I think that a lot of issues are are obvious for that football team. You talk about the secondary, yeah, they're going to play a lot of young kids who have talent, but they're young kids. That's an issue. They don't have pass rushers. Major issue in a league where you got to put the quarterback on the ground. Uh, I think offensive line might not be as good. It'll be good, but it might not be as good. And then you go back to the quarterback. Look, I think Dak Prescott's going to be a really good player. But now he's going to have to go through the league again. And sometimes when you're a young quarterback and you go through the league a second time, there's always a chance to start figuring him out. He's going to have to do more. He's going to have to drive the ball down the field more. I think he has talent, but this year might not be what a lot of people think for the Dallas Cowboys. I think you. Um, I think when you look at the Cowboys, it's a team that is kind of hinging – you know, you're hinging everything on that that running game still, right? I mean, Dak Prescott was great, but if this has to become a pass-heavy offense, are they going to be great offensively? And then defensively, Rod Marinelli has managed to manufacture so much over the past few years. But, the, I mean, like, as good as they were with their selections in the draft in the first rounds, getting all those offensive linemen, getting Zeke, they pick up Dak a little bit later. I mean, they've whiffed on some, some pass rushers in the second round. They need Taco Charlton to come in and be an impact guy immediately. They need Jalen Smith to make to, to to get healthy. They need Sean Lee to stay healthy. There are a lot of ifs when it comes to that defense. And I think offensively, 
the rest of the division has gotten to the point where they're very dangerous and they can hold their own. The Giants swept the, the Cowboys last year. They can they match up well against that offense. I think the Eagles defense is going to be very good. And I think the Redskins have gotten better on defense. So uh, to me, while the Cowboys have a, uh, an offense that is repeatable and that can travel because of the offensive line, they have to bank on staying healthy, which is not something you can guarantee on. Their schedule is very difficult. And they have to bank on no regression or no, you know, for Dak Prescott and no suspension for Zeke Elliott. I just think it's asking too much. I think they do take a step back. Uh, still very much in the hunt, obviously, in the, in the division, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm with these guys for all those reasons. And first of all, regression. Like, how many teams besides the New England Patriots win 13-plus games like two or three years in a row? Like, it, it really doesn't happen. The league's all about parity. It's, it's socialism for billionaires, right? The way the draft works and the way the schedule works. Uh, the way free agency and the salary cap work. And I thought they swung above water. They played over their heads last year. I'm not sure they do that two years in a row. And I'm concerned about the culture there as well. You know, it seems like Jerry Jones, it's kind of like back to the 90s where I don't care what you do really Monday through Saturday. I got your back as long as you show Sunday. But you don't have that Tony Romo waiting in the glass, you know, break under fire and bring him in. That's gone. It's, 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 you're rotting or dying with Dak with no security blanket. And, you know, you've seen this repeated pattern of behavior where, you know, whatever becomes of Ezekiel Elliott, whether he gets suspended or not or what have you, he's certainly in the crosshairs of the NFL. And Dak Prescott had a great rookie season, but he's someone who fell in the draft because of some off-field concerns. And you, they were the team that brought in, uh, you know, that drafted Randy Gregory. And they were the team that brought in Greg Hardy. And, and it, it, you know, sometimes – you're walking a real fine line when you get that collection. Not that Hardy's there anymore, but you get, you know, you, you, I just thought last year they caught lightning in a bottle. I don't see it happening again, and the division is certainly better. I think this is sort of a complex answer because I think you can be in in the regression in JLC. You're 100% right. The Cowboys are probably not going to win 13 games this year again. But that being said, they could go 11-5 and five and be a better team than they were last year when they went 13-3. and three. And remember, this team crashed out of the playoffs in that, that divisional round playoff game thanks to the brilliance of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, would it shock anyone if Dallas went 11-5 and five or 10-6, and six, won two less games but made it to the NFC Championship game? I still think the Cowboys are going to be a really good team, but are they going to win 13 games again? I think uh, probably, probably not. Now, we know that the Cowboys have a lot of concerns off the field. You want to talk about off-field concerns, though? The breadwinner right now, it's Will Brinson's neck of the woods with the Carolina Panthers. Dave Gettleman axed on the eve of training camp, and they bring back Marty Herney, which would be like the Knicks rehiring Phil Jackson in two years after whoever the GM is now. Potentially. No, it wouldn't. Hey, no. All right. No. Come, come, oh, bottom line is, Marty Herney got them in a salary cap mess. Say what you want about Marty, but he got them in that mess, and now they're bringing him back, someone that they fired however many years ago. Now they're bringing back. I know I get it because it's interim, and there's not a lot of time before the season, but regardless of how you want to spin it, off-field issues right now in Carolina, front office, potentially locker room, Jason LaCanfora, in or out, the Panthers' off-field issues will bleed onto the field come September and beyond. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about that. Look, that's Marty. Marty, the Super Bowl team, I got news for you. It was Marty Herney's team. It was 85% Marty Herney's team. The coaching staff, he brought them all in. He brought Rivera in. He brought a lot of those coaches in. The scouting staff, they had a little bit of a purge there, but most of the guys, Gettleman didn't really mess with it. It was Marty's guys. And the roster, go look at all his first-round picks. It was Marty's roster. So, 
Uh, he's comfortable with the owner. I, I have concerns about the owner and, and sort of where he is at this stage of, um, I guess I'll say his career. And it's clear he's taking the franchise back and, and he's in control. But, I mean, they're going to you know, live or die with can they protect Cam Newton and, and is that offense able to make some strides? I, I don't think it's going to be necessarily turmoil. The fact that Gettleman's out of there, I think, I think there was more propensity to have an explosion or have a blow-up if they if they had a slow start and the players don't like Gettleman and you have a locker room revolt, sort of like what you had uh, in Chicago a few years back when uh, you know they all wanted the GM out of there. So uh, no, I, I don't think I don't think it's gonna their success is gonna have a whole lot to do with interpersonal dynamics with the front office. It's just gonna be are they a good enough football team? It's remarkable how many of these Carolina Panthers players on this roster were acquired. By Marty Herney. I think the, the final count from Joe Person was 14. This dude got fired in 2012. There are 14 guys on the roster. You know, that counts guys like Julius Peppers, who was drafted by Marty Herney, but then, you know, obviously uh, left in free agency, Captain Munderland, all of these. But I mean, there's a, a substantial group of guys who are going to back Marty Herney. And I think one of the things that, that really hurt the Panthers last year was, and I don't mean from an on play standpoint or, or on the field playing standpoint, with Josh Norman not getting paid and getting booted out of town. But I think that really started to divide the locker room a little bit. And, and, and these guys said, I mean, look, this, you know, this guy's a homegrown kid, you know, drafted late, works his tail off, is a little eccentric, <laughs> likes to chatter, but became one of the better corners in the league. And then he's not rewarded by the team. What does that say about our future? And especially with the Thomas Davis and Greg Olson situations, I mean, look, the, I don't, I don't think you should hand out contracts to guys who are in their late, early to late thirties. Oh, they're going to. Just because they're veterans, but but Thomas Davis and Greg Olson are two. Of, I mean, they're stalwarts of that community. I mean, they're beloved by Jerry Richardson, and it is going to help the locker room to pay these guys. You pay Trey Turner now. Is it going to hurt them in the long haul when it comes to salary cap management? It might, but at least for this year, I think the locker room will actually rally around the the addition of Marty Herney and the and the loss of Dave Gettleman. Right, and, and to Paul's point, wait, they got into cap hell, guys, because they paid their own players. It's not like they were running around doing crazy stuff in free agency. They overpaid some of their own players. And, yeah. and, and and the other thing, too, Jason, is that those deals, if you if you buy into it, it's not like Marty Herney was like, man, i got to pay all these guys. Jerry Richardson held firm on the lockout, and then after the lockout, basically demanded that Marty Herney yes. make the rain. When yeah. the hell do players have an issue with a general manager? Is it allowing is that allowed to get inside the locker room and interrupt the team? That to me speaks more volumes about anything and everything Carolina Panthers. If there's a guy who's not happy with his contract or a guy who gets set off and he goes somewhere else like Josh Norman did, then why would you ever allow that to impact what you do as a football team? To me, that's telling about the coach there. Ron Rivera, if the team is getting fractured because something that's going on with the front office, then that's on the coach to bring that all back together. And oh, by the way, Bradbury played really good football for them on the corner last year. And going forward, he might end up being, in the next year or two, a much better corner than Josh Norman. And when, yeah, when walk away from less Josh money. Norman for no compensation. Come on. That was a bad move. But but again, this lovey-dovey, I love you, I love Thomas Davis has been there for so long, we should reward him with a contract, is stupidity. You sure. don't get, you get too emotional with your players. That's when your team goes down a drain. Treat it like Bill Belichick. If you stink, you're going. Yeah, look, Dave Gettleman approached this roster building it like Bill Belichick. It, like all of his moves have a very what would Bill Belichick do, and he did what Dave Gettleman did type of feel to him. 
and it didn't appeal. And I think Jason pointed out, you look at the owner and it's clear, I think, you know, living around here, Jerry Richardson cares a lot about his legacy. And to him, his legacy involves these players almost as much as it does winning. And he wasn't willing to sacrifice some of the veterans to have a, to have a, a, a just a cutthroat winning culture. And that's probably going to end up being a mistake. And, and Gettleman's last move guys, his last big move drafting Christian McCaffrey eighth overall this past April, I really think is going to pay tremendous dividends. And look, the Panthers should be better than they were last year. Why? Because it'd be difficult to be worse given all the talent on that roster, especially at the quarterback position. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a monster season. Will, I could see the Panthers back in the playoffs this year easily. Yeah, for sure. I do think, though, this division is probably the hardest division in all of football. Because you could make a case for all four teams potentially making the playoffs. They're the fourth fourth team in a four-team division. I don't know about that. Are they? I mean, why why are the Saints going to be that much better? I mean, they've had this offense for a while um, maybe they'll magically piece together a defense. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. I think I like the Buccaneers a lot. I, I get that the, everybody's happy about the Falcons. I know you were with Matt Ryan, did a great job on that piece, Pete. Um, but I think that the psychological value of that Super Bowl is still going to rear its head once the season starts. We saw that with Carolina last year. Everybody loved them in training camp. They were set to play well, and then you know they got smacked in the face by Denver. So I, I, I think I think it's a I think it's up in the air. And to me, Carolina is probably the most balanced team in terms of both sides of the football. Uh, maybe you give Atlanta a higher upside on on defense if Dan Quinn can put that together. New Orleans, of course, has Drew Brees, but again, they've been 7-9 to nine the last three years, and you're, you're banking on the Buccaneers making a pretty big leap um, offensively, which I think can happen if you're picking them to win. One, Falcons, because their defensive young guys are going to be that much better this year. Those like, remember and Matt they, Ryan loves you. And yeah. they start four rookies. They started four rookies on defense last year, and they didn't have Trufant in the Super Bowl. I mean, come on. They're going to be better on defense. They, they added Poe on a one-year deal, and he's slimmed down because he's trying to make himself a lot of money. They'll be better on defense. They're going to be the one team. The two team will be Tampa Bay with all the young players. The three team will be New Orleans, and the team in the cellar will be Carolina. They, they got older. Their pass rush got old. They added a guy who's 78 years old and Julius Peppers. They got older. 77. There you have it, Brenton. Why play the games? Let's just the <laughs> NFC South. Let's just name the Falcons division winners. Let's give them 14 wins and let's let the, give them a buy into the uh, second round of the playoffs. And, well, and, 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 and while you're at it, Mike Williams, tra- Chargers Ryan rookie the receiver, MVP right now, and just Mike, give him the MVP. And Mike Williams, just go ahead and retire, buddy, because Pete Prisco has said it was a bad pick and your career is basically uh, over. And you hear the Falcons I, already, <laughs> already two and zero this offseason on Prisco puff pieces. I, I mean, hey, well, Pete, Pete, if if Matt Ryan had blown you off, would you still have put the Falcons at number one in the division? or no? I don't care if anybody oh, blows Matt you. Ryan knows where his bread's oh. buttered. He ain't blowing Prisco off. Come on. <laughs> not off. And by the way, guys, okay, you heard it here first. The New Orleans <laughs> Saints. Not make the cut. The New Orleans Saints. Now it'll make the cut. The New Orleans Saints are going to win the NFC South this year. More on them coming up as we progress into the summer and into training camp. So the Panthers are set at quarterback with Cam Newton. The Houston Texans not set at quarterback at the moment. Will Brinson in or out? Tom Savage will be the week one starter for for Bill O'Brien in Houston. Out as far out as you can possibly get. Um, I, I don't even know what the 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 look. Deshaun Watson, and I understand that there's going to be some transitions there, uh, especially when it comes to learning a pro pro style offense and learning Bill O'Brien's system. And the the big red flag for me was he said the exact same thing that Brock Osweiler said last all season, like learning Spanish or learning a whole new language. I don't care. I think they've invested too much in Deshaun Watson. He's a better athlete. 
He is a, I think, a, eventually a better quarterback, even though Tom Savage has the experience. Um, and I think he ends up winning the job. And I think it looks a little bit like Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn did for the Seahawks um, back when Wilson stole that job in training camp as a rookie. Obviously, Tom Savage not paid like Matt Flynn was in the offseason, but the you know the incumbent veteran who everybody expects to get the job because Watson is you know is a is a is a mobile rookie. And uh, I think I think we see Watson come in and steal the job, and I think he'll be better than people expect. I, I Tom Savage will start in Week One. I, I don't think he's going to take the job from him right away, but at some point. Early in the season, you got to play him. If you draft that kid, you make the move to go up and get him. You clearly think he's the long-term answer. Make the move, put him in the lineup, and play from there. I know they have a great defense. They'll be able to compensate for his mistakes a little bit more if they didn't have a great defense. I'd get him in there right away. I don't think they do. I think Savage starts week one. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the bottom line is when you, this is a team Super Bowl or bust, when you look at the pie chart of their quarterback snaps when we get to January, Watson's going to be far and away the leader. Does it start right in week one? Uh, does it really matter? Bill O'Brien's got the quickest hook. He's got the quickest hook since Billy Martin. He yanked Brian Hoyer th- two and a half quarters into a season that after has being been- on national TV on hard knocks saying, don't look over your back. You got it, dude. Yeah. This isn't yeah. just for week one. I so, know that like, Jason. I know that hurt you when he yanked your buddy Brian Hoyer out. Oh, I shed, I shed some tears, man. I, not like you in the press box after the Patriots came back, but it was close. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to figure out what Bill Ryder was writing so I could write with <laughs> Rim shot. So, look, Watson's going to play and play soon, and, and they know that they're in a bind there. They're sort of in, in I won't say Super Bowl or bust mode, but, but really they've got to have a long playoff run. Are you going to have a long playoff run with Tom Savage? Do you have a better shot with Watson? Probably, but you better get the lumps out of the system in September and October and November so that hopefully he's peaking in December or January. And so the only way to do that is to start that clock sooner than rather than, rather than later. Could they win that division, you know, and go 10-6 and six and win the division with Savage? I mean, maybe, but again, where is that offense going in the postseason? And more to the point, what does that mean for Bill O'Brien's future there? Where he's got to not just win some games within that division, and, you know, not just win another hollow division crown, but, like, have a big boy offense with, with actually an ability to, um, you know, at times, dare I say it, help the defense out. And, Stay in your lane, Jason. Jason, and I, I kind of wanted to disagree. Stay in your lane, I said. Oh, yes, always. I, I thought Jason made a number of great points there. But um, on the Texans' offense. That's I, an inside joke. That's an inside joke. But can, can, let's make it outside here. Can we bring it on no, here? No, Pete, what did you No, mean? it's best that we don't. Okay, so let's, we, we we'll won't. We'll tell you off air. Okay, we'll tell you off air, and that'll be great for the people listening. That's awesome. Um, when Chris goes in the tanning booth a couple, uh, in a couple hours, we'll call When he you. falls asleep in the tanning booth, comes out looking like a combination of Cosmo Kramer and Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he's got the orange leathery skin right now. I wanted to disagree when you said, could they win the division with Tom Savage? But I can't, because they won the division last year with Brock freaking Osweiler. But here's what I got to say about this. That Texans-Patriots divisional round playoff game at Foxborough, if Deshaun Watson in January of this year, without a rookie minicab, without training, if Deshaun Watson had started that game, the Texans would have beaten the Patriots. Patriots wouldn't even have got to the Super Bowl and had a chance to come back. No. Period. Up. Out of your mind. No, no. Osweiler was the reason they lost that game and the hideous Will Fuller drop. Houston had every opportunity to win that game, and if they had competent quarterback play, they would have beaten the Patriots in that game. You have to go with Deshaun Watson because, like JLC said, this is a Super Bowl or bust type season. They got to get deep in the playoffs here. Tom Savage is not going into Arrowhead. He's not going into Oakland. He's not going into Pittsburgh and winning games on the road here. It's just not happening. With Deshaun Watson, the guy beat Alabama last year. I understand it's different here, but he's a big game player. How can you not give this kid the ball here in week number one and let him run with it for 16 games? 
I, I would. I do. You guys just you asked if we thought that Tom Savage would start week one. And I do think he's going to start week one. I think uh, I think that we're going to see our buddy Deshaun Watson on the field in week. By, number by, one. The, by the way, if you take a rookie quarterback into Foxborough against Bill Belichick in the playoffs, you're going to lose badly. Uh, that, may, that may be. I, th- I think the last one to do that was uh, was Pete's buddy Tim Tebow, or maybe that's Tebow's second year. But yeah, rookie quarterbacks on the road in Foxborough in January probably not a real quick. For real success. quick, while we're talking Tebow, uh, Prisco, given that you know you're you're close proximity to the Florida State League, have you been out? I, I heard you've been out cheering them on from the uh, from the uh, grandstand a few games. I, I heard you've been following him on the uh, as he does his you know tour of the Florida State League there. Well, I mean, he couldn't play quarterback in the National Football League, so he's got to find something to do. Good. God bless him. He's an A-ball player. When he gets to double, everybody compares him to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, you look how much better the Tebow Colt comes out. Look how much better he's doing than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played double A-ball. This guy's in single A. Yeah, yeah. Southern what League if, is no joke. If, I'm with you. If, if Tim Tebow hits 10 home runs in a regular season uh, or, or in, an, in, an ML, in a stretch of baseball on the major league level for an MLB team, will you get a go, Timmy, go? With t- Tebow's tattoo, uh, face tattooed on your on your butt, t- Pete. No, I'm not or, getting anybody's or, tattoo on my butt. No, look, the kid. We give him credit. Let's let's applaud him. He's he's making an effort to chase his dream. Is chase his dream. Well, that's because his football dream was a nightmare. Okay. <laughs> if the Colt comes at me all the time, how can you not appreciate this kid chasing his dream? I said, okay, I'll appreciate him chasing his dream if you admit his football career was a nightmare in the National Football League. Oh no, he beat Pittsburgh. It's always oh he beat Pittsburgh. It's an accident that's happened. We're, Look, we're good for him. We're, we're, we're one. We're Will, one. We're one. We're you, one. You made an assumption. Muscle. Will, you made an assumption that we don't already have Peyton on one cheek and Matt Ryan on the other. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, or, don't assume. Or, you know what happens when you assume? Or you have Hoyer on one cheek and Mohammed Wilkerson on the other. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's my, my, that's my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> we're one. We're one. We're one. Russell Wilson argument away from hitting pick six podcast bingo. All right. Yeah. Way. So let's so let's leave. Let's table the Russell Wilson conversation for a moment here and transition to another NFC West quarterback, and that's Carson Palmer of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, last year, his worst completion percentage since he was in Oakland playing for the Raiders. His most interceptions in four years. Now, Bruce Arians has been talking Carson Palmer up, talking about the velocity here. Jason Lockanfora, in or out? Carson Palmer will bounce back. In 2017, ah, bounce back. Uh, he may have a slightly better season, but I mean, I, I think you have to look at the realities of where he is in his career, um, what he's been through physically, and some of the limitations. I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily buying that. And I, I would say the likelihood of him suffering a significant injury is probably higher than the likelihood of him, you know, likelihood of him having some sort of uh, all-pro season yeah. or, or whatever some might project. By some, I mean Prisco. Well, I mean, you guys are crazy. He played really well down the stretch last year. Everybody down the stretch. Up. Yeah, when the season was over. No, but here's the other thing. You guys prop up your buddy Kirk Cousins, right? Look at all the great numbers he does. If you compare their numbers from a year ago, their exact numbers, those two guys and what they've averaged in the last couple of years. You hold know, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second here. Pete, who would you rather have right now for 16 games, Kirk Cousins or Carson Palmer? It's not even close. I'd rather have Carson Palmer. I, I, I think you're That's nuts. Ridiculous. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. I don't even think it's close. Cousins is 28 years old. What are you talking Cousins about? I'm talking about for 16 games this year. Only 16. I'm not talking about the long. I mean, if you're talking about the long term, of course you'd rather have Kirk Cousins. I'd take Cousins Nick, regardless of what the question is, one season I'd, or moving forward. I'd rather have Cousins as a fantasy quarterback and Palmer as a real-life quarterback. 
Wow. So why? You, I'd rather have Brian Hoyer for five million a year. <laughs> you don't. Well, mean you, Cousins. Cousins laid down like a dead dog in two of the most important games of the season against a Giants team that shouldn't have had anything to play for, and against the Panthers. I mean, that's like you want to get paid, get your team in the playoffs, and he didn't do it. Yeah, and in the last two important games, Carson Palmer played in. He was brutal in that division round playoff game against the Packers, and then he was brutal in Carolina. What, Carson, in the NFC what, Championship tell game. me the playoff game that Carson Palmer lit the light, lit, lit the world on fire. I'm, I'm waiting for that one. It's not. How many times he put a team on his shoulder in the postseason? Like, I'll wait. Um, I think it was probably the Orange Bowl against Iowa. Back Back when he was uh, at USC winning the Heisman Trophy. Since then, we have not seen it from Carson Palmer in the postseason. Pete, in, in all seriousness, like that is a crazy take that you would take Palmer over Kirk Cousins over the balance of this year. For, for this season? For this season, right now, for this season, you cannot tell me that Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Carson Palmer. I he just, just isn't. I just did. I, I, well, I, I think so. Well, as usual, Costas. Will, where do you stand on that? Cousins or Palmer for this year? I know you said the fantasy thing. Forget about fantasy. Right now, you're the GM of a team, Palmer or Cousins for this year. But this year, I'm being serious. Like I would rather have, I think Cousins will put up bigger numbers, but I would rather have Carson Palmer as my quarterback. You look at down the stretch, the final six games, completed 60% of his passes, 1,591 yards, that's 265 per game, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, I, Palmer, Palmer to me is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a byproduct of his environment. Carson Carson, Carson can elevate the talent around him. Kirk Cousins needs the talent around him to elevate him to where he gets to. Really? Who was Kirk Cousins elevating in Oakland? Really? Palmer? I mean, I'm sorry. Who was Carson Palmer elevating in Oakland? Well, that's the problem. He didn't have any talent. Well, man, he's got Bruce Arians. Now people act like he's like, like, I mean, it's just, wait a minute. So Arians has nothing to do with Palmer's Late late life resurgence, but well, everything Kirk set. Cousins has ever done is attributable to Jay Gruden and Sean McVay. I'm I'm just keeping score. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure I'm keeping score correctly. And in case you got to remember, Jason loves him some Kirk Cousins now. So you know, got to slow well, down. I don't love no. You love some Kirk some some Carson Palmer. I, I well, just I'm just being keeping it real. He's better. He's better. And, He's and, a better quarterback. And speaking of keeping score, if you're keeping score at home, myself and Jason Lockhart-Fora won that round. Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, they lost it. And guys, let's That's close. Down, little child on the end of the street gets beat down like you did when the bully used to pick on you, Cos. I don't like, know what you're talking about. Uh, yes, and speaking of bullies, I mean, you know the APP. I like that the dog Easy picked cop. that time. Easy and I like the fact, by the way, you know that Prisco goes jogging at the high school in Jacksonville wearing short shorts and actually had the police called on him because there were concerned parents around here. Who is this guy in the short jorts here running around here around our children? So Pete Prisco had hey, to be physically thank removed. God you're not a reporter because you, you got half the story right. What do you work for, Bleacher Report or something? <laughs> okay. Come on. There's story right. There, there, there's some well, good stuff in there. Fired. All right, shots fired. Guys, this is the inaugural that's not, that's edition. Not my buddy Mike Freeman, by the way. Of the Pick 6 podcast. And I want to close out this first ever edition by talking about the defending Super Bowl champions, the best team in the NFL, on paper at least, the New England the Patriots. The Falcons. Oh, that's right. They didn't win that game. Sorry. And, and he does have, yes, it is the right ass cheek for those keeping score of the Matt Ryan tattoo on Pete Prisco's posterior. Are, the, pa- are the Patriots right now, guys, the no-brainer pick to win it all in 2017. Will Brinson, go ahead. Well, they're the clear prohibitive favorite, and they were one of the best teams in football last year, even dealing with Tom Brady's four-game suspension. Um, They are balanced on both sides of the ball. They 
look like a team that might be better than the 07 Patriots in terms of balance. You know, I don't think the offense is as explosive. They ain't better but they than went the 07 Patriots. What's that? They, they're not better than the 2017. Oh, but I mean, like defensively, this is going to be a really, really good team. And you look at it, they're not like they, they, they're not slotting any rookies in to start. I mean, they're going to be consistent. They're going to be talented across the board. And they're, I mean, they're going to win 13 or 14 games unless something breaks wrong. So yeah, they're the prohibitive favorite. But I think at the end of the day, they they will they won't win because I I just I, I mean I don't think they I don't think they won't win. I just think they're I would rather if I'm if I'm picking the Patriots or the field, give me the field because you're mm. talking about a, a single elimination tournament where things get wacky in the playoffs. Yeah, they're the best team. I don't think there's any question they're the best team, and and they're the best team because they got the best head coach and they got the the arguably the best quarterback. So they're the best team. I still have some questions about them though. Who's going to rush the passer? You know they did. They got by last year, but who's their premier pass rusher when you it like comes Coney, time? You like Coney Ealy or, or this young kid Derek Rivers, the third round pick? Derek Rivers has a chance. Coney Ealy was a major flop last year in Carolina. They thought he'd have a big year. He didn't. So it's a bounce back year or nothing for him. Uh, you know Trey Flowers is the guy. He's the rising star in their defense, and I think he's the guy that maybe provide that. But they need help rushing the passer. Having said all that, they will win thirteen or fourteen games. They will be the number one seed in the AFC, and they'll probably waltz to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I'll take them over the field, assuming they win that division, which I don't think is a stretch, and assuming they get some home playoff games. I, I think I saw a stat where, where they haven't won a road playoff game since, like, 2004. They never have to play any. I mean, if a road goes through Gillette, and as long as they're far and away the, the creme de la creme of that division and they're clinching it, you know, at Thanksgiving or shortly thereafter, then they get to manage themselves down the stretch. They, You know, Belichick gets to get all his ducks aligned, get his – you know, pitching rotation set as, you know, if you will for the postseason, And then, you know, everybody has to come to them. And, and when you, you already are that good and you're, you're getting that advantage. I mean, I, I, I have no reason to believe they won't be, I'm not saying they're going to win every game, but that they won't be the most dominant team in the league. And the other amazing thing about them is they're able to, I mean, it's just, you, you look at, Casario and how long he's been there. You you look at McDaniel's and except for a few years where you know he was coaching the 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 Broncos or doing his little thing with St. Louis, spying he's on the Forty Nine. Been there more or less for twenty years. You know what I mean? Patricia's been there since he was like twenty years old. Uh, you know, Ernie Adams isn't going anywhere. Belichick hasn't gone anywhere. Brady hasn't gone anywhere. The strength up the middle is still there. That game that you referenced, JLC, their last road win in the playoffs, that was the AFC Championship game in 2004. Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year. Patriots won that game, went on to beat the Eagles for their third Super Bowl in four years. And I bring up the Steelers there on purpose, right? Because I think the Patriots are the odds-on favorite. And I think that this, you can make a case that this year, the Patriots, this is the biggest favorite that I think we've had in a regular season in quite some time where you say, no-brainer, this team's the best team in football. But if there were one team that I think could potentially trip up the Patriots, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think a lot's going to depend on Bud Dupree, and a lot's going to depend on the development of Ryan Shazier and some of the other young players on that defense because you know that offense is going to be good with Ben and Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. New England's the favorite, but I think that Pittsburgh, this could finally be Mike Tomlin's year to finally upend Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the New England Patriots. Guys, before we get going here today, we've got a lot of great content coming up on CBSSports.com this week. NFL content for you to consume in including Pete Prisco, one of your favorite pieces of the year. Break it down for us. Overrated, underrated. It's two separate pieces. Who's the most overrated player in the league? Who's the most underrated player in the league? And then one underrated, overrated player for all 32 teams. 
Uh, last year was Cam Chancellor. He didn't like it too much, so he blocked me on Twitter. So <laughs> we'll see if uh, if the, if uh, the guy who's the overrated player this year will block me. And we will we will keep that a secret as to who that is. You'll have to check it out on the website and listen to the podcast coming up later this week. Will and JLC, you guys got anything you'd like to promote? Uh, I did a piece today on – I had an agent approach me just unsolicited saying – who had no dog in the fight saying, look, here's how the Redskins could have – Create had a creative solution to the Kirk Cousins dilemma. Um, so I, that that contract suggestion that he uh, gave to me, I thought was pretty interesting. So I stole it and wrote a column on it. And then, yeah, starting Wednesday, I'll be on the road. So uh, Redskins, Ravens, Eagles, Steelers, Colts, Lions, Titans will be my first wave of camp starting Wednesday. And be sure to follow Jason Lockhart on Twitter for all those updates at Jason Lockhart at Prisco CBS, at Will Brinson, and I am at the Costos on Twitter. Now we ask you this. We've just given you 55, 60 minutes of free entertainment. All we ask in return is that you subscribe and you leave a positive review. You can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in the Pick 6 podcast presented by CBS Sports. For my guys, Jason LaCanfora, Pete Prisco, and Will Brinson, I am Nick Costos. We will catch you Wednesday, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the Pick 6 podcast. Goodbye and good night. Thank you.